Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's make-believe ballroom time. Put all your cares away. All the bands are here to bring good cheer your way. Hi folks, I'm Jeff Bressler, turning on the lights of the Make Believe Ballroom and welcoming you into my crystal studio for another program of the greatest hits of the 1930s and 1940s. I'm hosting the show to keep the music and traditions of past hosts, Martin Block, Al Jarvis, William B. Williams, and the legendary Steve Allen alive. Whether you're one of my longtime listeners or a new listener on public broadcasting and community radio stations across the U.S., or in the UK, grab your dance ticket, it's free, and let's reminisce. Hello world, and welcome to another edition of the Make Believe Ballroom. Let's start small on today's show. I mean real small, as in small group swing. At the height of big band popularity, small ensembles often stole a show from their larger siblings. Hot small combos of big dance band spinoffs began to top the charts. Uh, Benny Goodman had his trio and quartet. Tommy Dorsey developed the Clambake 7. The Crosby Band had the Bobcats and... Artie Shaw, his Gramercy 5. Now, also, a number of independent small swing bands gained enormous popularity. Case in point, the great jazz violinist Stuff Smith. He held court in the Onyx Club on 52nd Street in New York City, where he started playing regularly in 1935. Here's Stuff and his Onyx Club boys sextet with Upstairs.
Folks, if you haven't spent some time listening to Small Group Swing, there's a treasure trove of amazing listening out there just waiting for you. In 1938, Louis Jordan formed the Timpani Five. The Five was a jump blues band, which emphasized uh, Louis' fast-paced vocal delivery and his then-evolving guttural sax style. The name of the band was inspired by drummer Walter Martin, who always used timpani drums during the band's live shows. While leading the timpani five, Louis would achieve widespread popularity. Uh, He played before packed houses and released a string of hit records. During this time, uh, Jordan signed with the Decca label and released his first record, Honey in the Bee Ball. Honey in the bee ball, I can't see y'all all here. It's a game the kids play underneath the southern moon. Honey in the bee gum, I can't see none. Hey, kid, it's the last line they say when they're going to find you soon. It's a little hunting game I'm gonna hunt for you no matter where you go It's my specialty I'm gonna find you then you can never hide no more Oh, honey in the bee ball, now I see all baby And I don't mean maybe Now I'll have to hunt no more Sweet, very sweet. 
Let's finish off this small group triple play swing set. I really could have flubbed that one with one of the more commercial big band attached uh, groups. Bob Crosby, brother of Bing, was one of the popular big band leaders who also went the small route. In November 1937, a small group from the big band called Bob Crosby and his Bobcats made their debut. The Bobcats were a four-horn, four-rhythm octet, and they emphasized uh, the jammed versions of, of Dixieland and swing songs. Believe it or not, the Bobcats uh, quickly became equally as famous and popular as their big brother band. Here's one that was recorded just a couple of months after the Bobcats formed in 1937. Music and lyrics here by Walter Donaldson on the Decca label. You're driving me crazy. I enjoyed that. That was a great little trip down small swing band lane, but let's head back and go into full big band mode once again. You know, I wouldn't mind leading the lifestyle of big band leader Charlie Barnett, and I'll tell you why in a moment. 
But first, one of Barnett's big hits, Billy May's chart on this one, of Pompton Turnpike with Billy May on the trumpet and Charlie on the soprano sax, recorded on Bluebird in I was going to tell you why I wouldn't mind living the lifestyle of Charlie Barnett, but first I have to discuss a part of his big band career I wouldn't have wanted to go through. And to do that, we have to go to one of California's most renowned ballrooms for the story. The Palomar Ballroom was built in 1925, and it was originally named the El Patio Ballroom. And for those living on the West Coast, it was located on the east side of Vermont Avenue between 2nd and 3rd Street in Los Angeles. And it boasted being, quote-unquote, the largest and most famous dance hall on the West Coast. The building had a Moorish style with minarets, and it also had a large mezzanine, a balcony, and 7,500-square-foot patio. 
the dance floor could accommodate 4,000 couples. It's said that on August the 21st, 1935, Benny Goodman began his first Palomar engagement, and that officially marked the start of the swing era. The ballroom hosted all the popular bands of the day, including Tommy Dorsey, Glenn Miller, Artie Shaw, Glenn Gray, Jimmy Dorsey, and Kay Kaiser, among others. Nightly radio broadcasts on local station KFLJ helped attract large crowds to what they announced as the dining, dancing, and entertainment center of the West. The ballroom continued to grow, and in 1939, admission charges were 75 cents for gentlemen and 40 cents for ladies. On Sunday nights, there was a special dinner dance ticket that cost $1.25. It included a reserve table in the posh Palm Line Palomar Terrace for the entire evening, a special seven-course dinner, a floor show, and dancing until 2 a.m. Valet parking was 15 cents extra. I think if I was living in that era, I would have went big and could have squeezed in the valet. Now, how does this story affect Charlie Barnett and his orchestra? Well, the Palomar unfortunately burnt to the ground on October the 2nd, 1939. And that fateful night, Charlie was playing. The response of the Los Angeles Fire Department was delayed by an address error, and the Palomar burnt to the ground. Now, this could have meant Charlie going out of business, but one saving grace bailed out the orchestra. Here's that saving grace in Charlie's own words from this interview back in the early 1970s. There's a remarkable thing about that van. Uh, we hadn't had any change in, in personnel. We had a very constant personnel at that time. And uh, at the time of the uh, Palomar Ballroom fire out here in California, in Los Angeles, uh, of course, we lost all of our music, all of our instruments, everything. That's right. And uh, we were able to continue uh, on the road uh, just from uh, the memory of of the guys in the band. They remember enough charts, and there were enough uh, what we call uh, head arrangements, uh, that we could uh, keep going while we were having new arrangements made. And, of course, we had some uh, marvelous help from uh, Count Joe Basie and uh, a few from Duke. And uh, uh, we went right ahead with our business. Uh, and it was uh, We would play without music stands. It was, it's kind of gas the people, you know. I mean, they'd look up and they'd see this band playing uh, with some rather intricate arrangements and no music stands in sight. Now, here's a song you might never have heard. Not one to let things get him down, on October the 9th, that just seven days after the devastating fire, his band recorded the tune, Are We Burnt Up?
We burnt up, oh Palomar, oh Palomar. Okay, now to why I wouldn't mind leading the lifestyle of Charlie Barnett. You see, Charlie was born wealthy, not just wealthy, but very wealthy in New York City, and he knew from an early age that money wouldn't be one of his worries. In 1949, he retired while he was still in his 30s, apparently because he had lost interest in music, or perhaps it interfered with one of his 11, yes, 11 marriages. Nevertheless, uh, Charlie led the good life for the rest of his life, uh, sailing, golfing, swimming, and visiting the racetrack while splitting time between his homes in uh, Palm Springs in L.A. I guess you could never get music out of your system, so over the years, Charlie, when the mood struck, started up a band and did some touring. As Barnett himself mentioned in the clip I played a little while ago, uh, the great Duke Ellington helped him out with some arrangements after the Palomar fire. Charlie, uh, well before that, looked up to Ellington, and they remained lifelong friends. In September of 1964, Charlie arranged a private party for Duke Ellington and his orchestra to play uh, while he was in Palm Springs at the San Jacinto Country Club. At the door, a small hand-painted sign by Barnett said, Any complaints about loud music or requests for excessive use of mutes will be grounds for instant expulsion to a table in the parking lot. Any requests for folk music, twist, watusi, or rock and roll will result in instant execution by golf balls at 20 paces. Charlie, as we leave this segment, did tributes to many of Duke's songs. One was Rock and Rhythm, recorded on June the 19th, 1940.
When I return, some World War II-era sounds on the V-Disc label. What's V-Disc? Well, you'll soon find out. Friends, you're listening to the weekly edition of the Make Believe Ballroom. Welcome back to the Make Believe Ballroom. I'm Jeff Bressler. I mentioned V-discs. Before I tell you what a V-disc was, let's listen to one. How about a little Skinny Ennis? And I've got a date with an angel. Hi, man. This is Skinny Ennis saying hello and greeting you on V-discs. Hope you like our little offerings. <laughs> Date with an angel, got to meet her at seven. Got a date with an angel, I'm on my way to heaven. She's so lovely beside me, and whatever betide me, got an angel to guide me, so I'm on my way to heaven. Soon I let the bells ring out, and the choir will sing out. When the pearly gates swing out, oh, she'll beckon to me. I've been waiting a lifetime. For this evening at seven Got a date with an angel I'm on my way to heaven So what were V-Discs? V-Disc was a record label produced during the World War II era by special arrangement uh, between the United States government and various U.S. record companies. Almost all the popular singers, uh, big bands, and orchestras of the era recorded special V-Disc records. They were 12-inch, 78 RPM gramophone recordings created between 1943 and 1949. The V stands for Victory. The V-Disc Project 
actually began in June of 1941, and that was six months before the United States' involvement in World War II, when a Captain Howard Bronson was assigned to the Army's Recreation and Welfare Section as a musical advisor. By 1942, the Armed Forces Radio Service sent 16-inch, 33-RPM vinyl transcription discs to the troops. Those were mostly radio shows uh, with the commercials edited out. Artists gathered at several V-disc recording sessions in theaters around New York and L.A., including the CBS Playhouse No. 3. That's currently the Ed Sullivan Theater, and that was the home of the uh, David Letterman Show. NBC's Studio 8H, and that's the current home of Saturday Night Live, and CBS Playhouse Number 4. Now, that building was reborn in the 1970s as Studio 54. V-discs were pressed by major civilian record companies like RCA Victor and Columbia. V-discs were very unique in that they featured a lot of -of one-of-a-kind performances as uh, artists who were not hampered by restrictive record company contracts, could now perform special versions of the 1940s most popular hits. Let's hear Meshuggah, performed by Chubby Jackson's Mad Mob, featuring some great trumpet by Sonny Berman. Thank <laughs> you. 
mistaken, and if I'm wrong, I'm sure one of my amazing listeners will certainly let me know. That song was also known as They Went That Way. And after Sonny Berman died in 1947, uh, Woody Herman recorded it for Capitol as Sonny Speaks. V-Discs stayed in production until 1949. Now, why 1949? Because there were still many uh, soldiers, uh, military personnel overseas that were still stationed as part of the Marshall Plan. And after the V-Disc program ended in 1949, the armed services set out to honor their original uh, agreement with the music industry's request that the records not be used for commercial purposes. Original masters and stampers were destroyed. Leftover V-discs at uh, bases and on ships were discarded. But fortunately, many remain as some soldiers smuggled them home while others saw the potential uh, historic value of the recordings and likewise found a way to get them home. Also, many of these records uh, actually remained in Europe, only to be discovered many years later. Let's go out of this uh, V-Disc segment with one of the great small swing bands as we discussed earlier. Here is the Benny Goodman Quintet with Benny on the clarinet, of course, Teddy Wilson on the piano, Red Norvo on the xylophone, Maury Fell's drums, and Sid Weiss's bass with the Rose Room. This uh, V-Disc was issued on October the 11th, 1944.
Rose Room that we just heard was the theme song of band leader, uh, Jack Benny radio band leader, and star of his own radio program with his wife, Alice Faye, appropriately titled The Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show. Very funny. You should try it if you like old-time radio. Phil Harris. How about a Phil Harris quickie? The Preacher and the Bear, recorded in 1947. Preacher went out walking, t'was on one Sunday morning. It was against his religion, but he took his gun along. He shot himself some mighty fine quail and one little measly hare. But on his way returning home, he met a great big grizzly bear. Now the bear got down in the middle of the road, on all fours like a great big toad, and looked that preacher right square in the eye, and the preacher looked at him and said bye-bye. Started down the road and took out the run. The bear right after that preacher did come, running the run for about a mile. Then they both sat down and rested a while. The preacher got up, started again. The bear he started out with more vim, and they ran and they ran till he spotted the tree set up on the limb as a place for me. Bear got close, made a grab for him. Preacher leaped up and he made the limb, pulled himself up and turned about, cast his eyes to the skies, and he did shout, Oh, Lord, you delivered Daniel from the lion's den. Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale, and then the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace, so the good book do declare, Yes, Lord, if you can't help me, for goodness sake, don't help that bear. Just about then, the limb let go and the preacher came fumbling down. Reached in his pocket, pulled his razor out just before he hit the ground. He hit the ground with an awful bang. It was a terrible sight. The preacher and the bear with the razor in his hair just a cut and left and right. Well, they rolled around on the ground. The preacher was up and then he was down. The bear let out an awful moan. It looked like the preacher was holding his own. Thought if I'd get out of here alive with that good book, I will abide. I'll never sin on Sabbath day and Sunday. Come, I'll pray and pray to the heavens. He did glance at, Lord, just give me one more chance than his suspenders gave away and he knocked that bear ten feet away then the preacher got up and made a bound for a tree where he'd be safe and sound pulled himself up and turned about cast his eyes to the skies and he did shout oh lord you delivered daniel from the lion's den also delivered jonah from the belly of the whale and then the hebrew children from the fiery furnace so the good book do declare yes lord if you can't help me for goodness sakes don't help that bad Gee, fun song. I don't play enough uh, Phil Harris. I'll have to put him in the A-team rotation and uh, look forward to playing Phil in weeks to come. On a past make-believe ballroom, I featured a segment on Tex Beneke and his long longevity in playing big band music. One of the songs I played, uh, People Like You and Me, featured uh, Tex singing uh, along with Marion Hutton. And I received an email that said, I give so much trivial background to each musician, singer, orchestra, and band leader. Why didn't I mention that Marion Hutton's husband was the great arranger and songwriter Vic Schoen? Well, I will in just a moment. If you'd like to send me an email, it's jeff at retroradioland.com, jeff at retroradioland.com. And uh, I'll either uh, read that on the air or uh, just answer it by emailing you back. Now to Vic Schoen who was married to Marion Hutton from 1954 to her death in 1987. Uh, Vic was born in Brooklyn in 1916 and self-taught himself as an arranger and trumpeter. He dropped out of high school to work as a trumpet player and writer. By the mid-1930s, he was already befriending such notables as George Gershwin and Count Basie, whose band Schoencrafted Arrangements for. 
Now, his first and perhaps most notable success came when he began working as an arranger and eventually became the longtime arranger for the Andrew Sisters. As the story goes, and to my best knowledge, this is the true tale, Shone, or Shane, was backstage at a Yiddish theater in New York, looking through a large crate of sheet music. He found the song by Mir Shane, written by Sholem Sekunda, with Yiddish lyrics by Jacob Jacobs. Shone was attracted to the song because he liked that his name was part of the title. After adding his own English lyrics, Shone arranged the song for the Andrew Sisters, and soon they had their first number one hit, earning them a gold record in 1937, the first ever to a female vocal group. You are was lonesome And when you came inside, dear My heart grew light And this old world seemed new to me You're really swell, I have to admit you Deserve expressions that really fit you And so I've racked my brain Hoping to explain All the things that you do to me By me, Mr. Shane Please let me explain By me, Mr. Shane Means your grand me, Mr. Shane Again I'll explain It means you're the fairest in the land I could say Bella, Bella Even seven each language Only helps me tell you how grand you are I've tried to explain
One more Vic Schoen arrangement as we go out. I didn't look closely at the old bull of a clock on the Crystal Studio wall. We are just out of time. So we're going to close the program with Vic's arrangement for Ella Fitzgerald of her famous scat recording, Flying Home. I thank you so much for joining me and being a listener. The ballroom is heard on many public broadcasting and community radio stations in the U.S. as well as the U.K., and we're also on podcasts. So I don't know exactly when you're listening. To cover all, I say good morning to some of you, good afternoon to some more of you, and to the rest of you, good night. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.